in our area. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This is a chapter that's uh, close to my heart. Um, I was reminded this week as I was sharing with someone, I believe it was yesterday, the very first time I preached in public, I preached from Joshua chapter 1, and I believe it was verse 8. I was uh, preaching in chapel at our Christian school, and I think I preached for about three minutes. Uh, I, I promise you it'll be a little bit longer than that this morning, um, but maybe not too much longer. Uh, when I began to pray about coming to Central, this was the chapter that God took my heart to. So this passage has been in my heart again in these past days, and uh, I want us to draw some truths from this early portion of the book of Joshua, Lord willing, over the next few weeks, but especially this morning as we think about taking our next step. Uh, the Joshua chapter 1, of course, is the account where the children of Israel are ready to enter into the promised land. They've spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They've spent 40 years uh, living off of manna and the water that God would provide and all the things that would take place uh, that they experienced in the wilderness, led by Moses. And then at the end of uh, Moses' life, you know the story, he goes up on the mountain, he is buried by God, they can't find his burial place because the Bible says that God buried him. And we come to chapter 1, and now it's time for Israel to move into the next stage of what God has for them to do. In fact, it's what he brought them out of Egypt to start with. It's what the purpose was. They were not supposed to wonder for those 40 years, but you remember that they wondered because of their doubt. The book of Hebrews will talk about this later, about how they did not listen to the promise. Their doubt held them back. We see this taking place here in Joshua chapter 1. It's very interesting to me that God gives in this brief verse that we're going to look at this morning, and we don't have the time to delve into all the different truths of this, but there's the past, there's the present, and there's the future. And every moment that we live, there's a past behind us, there's the present that we live in now, and there's the future that lies ahead of us. There are some people who are they're caught in the past. All they can talk about is, well, I used to do this for God, or I used to do this, or here's what happened to me and now I can't do anything. They're constantly turned toward the past. There's other people that are visionary and they're constantly looking toward the future and we have to do both. We learn from our past, we look to our future, but we've got to live in the present. We've got to, what am I going to do right now? It's not what you used to do for God that matters, it's what you're doing right now. It's not what you're going to do one day for God. One of these days I'll get around to it. It's what you're doing right now. I want to preach to you this morning, and I was very interested to, to hear this phrase actually in our announcements this morning. Isn't it amazing how God, God doesn't just coordinate the, um, the music and the messages around here. He coordinates the, the, the announcements as well. But the comment, the statement was made, our next step. I want to preach to you this morning on taking your next step. Look in chapter 1, in verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, that's the past. He's reminding Joshua. I, I love how sometimes God makes very obvious statements at seemingly awkward times. Do you remember when he called um, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? He said, I want you to take Isaac, your only son, Isaac. You know, the one that I pro he goes through several statements to like remind Abraham of how special Isaac is. And I almost picture Joshua grieving 
over what's happened, and God speaks to him, and the first thing he says to him is, hey, Joshua, just in case you didn't know, Moses is dead. That's the past. That's what's happened in the past. That's what's behind us. But then he says, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. That's the present. That's what we're doing right now. Thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them. That's the future. So right here we have leaving the past, living in the present, and looking to the future right in one, one verse. But as we think about this this morning, notice what he says. I want you to arise and go over this Jordan. The next step. What is it that keeps us in our Christian life? The Christian life is a journey, and we were never meant to settle. And by settle, I don't mean taking second and saying, well, I'll settle for this. I mean, we were never meant to plateau. We were never meant to stagnate. We were never meant to just sort of be in a stall position. We were, we were saved to reach a destination. Israel was redeemed from Egypt for the purpose of getting to the promised land. There was a rest that God had promised to them. Hebrews will talk about that and say, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Canaan was not that rest, but Canaan was the rest for them. The rest for us is twofold. Actually, it's, it's the rest that we have already in our salvation. I'm resting in what Christ did. It's the rest that I can experience every single day in resting in Christ. But it's also the rest that I have to look forward to where we will rest from our labors and rest from our troubles. So there's this Canaan experience that is what we were saved for. And we're, so we're taking another step. What is the next step? Taking the next step. Some people are hindered from moving forward for God. In this passage and in this story, we really could see at least three hindrances. And let me mention those to you briefly this morning. One, there are those who are hindered by their past. They're held back by their past. Notice what God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, that's just a really morbid opener, isn't it? Moses is dead, Joshua. Why did Moses die? Why is that important at this point? God is reminding Joshua that Moses had made mistakes. We all have mistakes in our past, don't we? Do you remember what happened? God said to Moses early on, the people needed water. He said, Moses, I want you to take this, this, your rod, and I want you to strike the rock, and water's going to come out. And so Moses struck the rock, and water poured out, and they were provided in the wilderness with water. Later on, God will say to Moses, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. Well, Moses gets mad. He gets a little ticked off at the people of Israel. He did that from time to time. They just got under his skin. You know, there were days in the life of Israel where Moses got ticked off at Israel and God would calm him down. And there were other times when God would get ticked off at Israel and Moses would be like, Lord, don't, don't judge them too harshly. Fortunately for Israel, there wasn't a day when both God and, Israel, and Moses got ticked off or they'd have been in really big trouble. But Moses was angry at the people. And so instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And the water came out and God provided, but God said, Moses, because of your unbelief, because of what you've done, you will not enter into the promised land. Here's Moses, a godly man, but he has mistakes in his past. God is reminding Joshua, look, Joshua, it's time to put the past in the past. 
Don't let your past hold you back from taking your next step for God. You say, well, I've, I've tried and I've failed before. I believe that one of the key things that keeps Christians from doing things they know they should do and even want to do is failures from the past. I've talked to many people about their prayer life, and they would, I would say, why, why don't you think? Well, I tried one time, and I just I couldn't make it. I just couldn't do it. Or what about sharing the gospel? What about witnessing? I shared the gospel, and I, I didn't do it. I, I messed up. I didn't say the right things. So we have these expectations of what we're supposed to be. We have this expectation of perfection. And when we fail, we think, well, I'm just going to back off because I know I should witness, but I'm afraid to. I'm afraid because I've, I've messed up in the past. Or I, I know I should pray, but I tried to have a prayer life before, and I just couldn't do it. And so because of those failures, we're held back. There are some people who think they can't serve God because of sin in their past. Now, granted, there are some sins that can disqualify us from certain places of leadership in God's work, but it doesn't keep us from serving in God's kingdom, in God's work. Some of the greatest servants of God that I have known have failure in their past. They have fallen. They have sinned. And yet God continues to use them. What about David? David had tremendous sin in his life. And yet after his sin, God continues to be able to use him because of his repentance. And because God is able to say, he's a man after my own heart. And think about the number of psalms that weren't just songs David wrote. They were inspired by God and they came after David's failure and David's sin. What about Simon Peter? Simon Peter is one of the most encouraging people in the Word of God. You know why? Because he was one of the biggest mess-ups in the Word of God. You ever read Peter? Go study Peter's life sometime and see the number of times that Peter stuck his foot in his mouth, took Jesus and began to rebuke him. How ignorant and bold do you have to be? And sometimes those often go together, don't they? How ignorant and bold do you have to be to take the Son of God by the lapels and say, you're not going to go to the cross. And yet Peter did that. And Peter standing by the fire on the night of the crucifixion, and he denies Jesus three times after having said, Lord, I will never deny you. And yet, when all is said and done, and after Peter has been restored, who is the one that God uses to preach on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 souls get saved. And who is the one that through the first half of the book of Acts is the one that God uses? It's Simon Peter. Don't let your past hold you back from taking the next step. Whatever that next step in your Christian life is, don't let your past hold you back. Four times in this section, he will name Moses. He keeps bringing up to Joshua as God is speaking to him, Moses, Moses, Moses. And he's saying, Joshua, that's in the past. It's time to move forward. Don't let the past hold you back. Don't let doubt or fear that comes from doubt hold you back. Oh, what if I mess up? Boys, you go through this passage, and this has spoken to me so many times. Look, look down through here and see how many times he says, um, look in verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 8, he says, um, 
uh, verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. God hammers that point. He says it four different ways in that one verse. And over and over again, he says, Don't be afraid, be of good courage. Be strong, be of good courage. Why? Because it takes courage to take the next step in our walk of faith. Wherever you are, one of the challenges for you to take that next step is fear about what it's going to involve. What about, what if God, what if God asks me to do something I'm not capable of? Let me tell you something. I can promise you that God will ask you to do things you are not capable of. But by his grace and his strength, he will do them because in our weakness, he is strong. I don't know that I have ever been called by God to a place of ministry that I was equipped and qualified for or able to do. From the very first time that I sat down in front of a group of third, fourth, and fifth graders to teach them Sunday school, you're talking about completely unqualified and unprepared. But God began to use that in my life to help prepare me for the next step. But that was a, that was a step of faithfulness. Whatever God calls us to do. I told you that I preached when I preached from Joshua 1.8. I preached for three minutes and my, I was scared out of my head. You're talking about hard. My dad's philosophy was if you're called to preach, well, you're preaching just as soon. You better get your sermon ready real quick. And to stand up in front of your peers and your classmates and try to preach, man, that scared the daylights out of me. I was so nervous when I was a kid. The first time I sang with my family, I had a, a part I was supposed to sing, and it came time for me to sing that part, and they looked around and they couldn't find me. I was hiding behind my dad. I was like Saul. You remember when Saul was supposed to be king and they tried, they couldn't find him anywhere, and he's hiding over in the luggage. I was, because, look, God does call us. God calls us to tasks that are beyond us. But we have to have the faith that where God will guide us, he will provide for us. And where God calls, he empowers. And what God has for us to do, no matter how large or small it may seem in our eyes, that next step is always one that is guided by God. And we have that courage. And God reminds Joshua, Joshua, you've not led these people before. You've stood behind and stood beside Moses, and you've seen what these people can do. <laughs> Israel was not an easy bunch of people to lead. And Moses, Joshua had seen that. And Joshua knows Joshua is one of two people in this nation who's actually been across Jordan and seen the other side. And he knows what they're about to do. He knows the giants that they're going to fight. He knows the walled cities. He knows the cities and the hills, the hard places to battle. And he knows what lies ahead. And Joshua needs to be reminded by God, like many of you may this morning, that the next step for you to take is going to require the courage of faith. Don't let fear and doubt keep you from that step. And then, though it's not in this specific text necessarily, actually it's further down in this chapter, there's two and a half tribes of the nation of Israel that are held back by a third thing, and that is just satisfaction and apathy. Apathy. Well, you know what? I'm sure it's nice on the other side, and it would be great to cross Jordan, but we're pretty happy here. I'm content where we are. Joshua, how about letting us stay on this side? 
we'll go over and help you, but we're, we like, we're going to stay over here. There are those who reach a plateau in their Christian life, and they're completely happy right where they are. And God, like the prophet says, is like the mother eagle that pushes them out of their nest. Sometimes we little eagles get content and satisfied with our nest. And God has to come along and kick us out. You know what happens. Those little baby eaglets, they're in the nest, and they need to learn how to fly, but they are not going to learn in the nest. And so the mother eagle pushes them out, and they begin to fall. Now the mother eagle's there to watch, and mother eagle's not going to let them crash, but what do they do over this process? They begin to learn how to fly. There are things that God will not teach us until we submit to him pushing us out of the nest, to taking that next step. Don't let apathy, don't be satisfied. Be blessed, be joyful, rejoice in what God has done in your life, but don't be satisfied, don't be content with where you are. Don't accept a plateau in the Christian life. It's time to begin that climb. It's time to continue that journey to take the next step. I love to think of the people of Israel as they come to Jordan. I'm a Red Sea kind of guy. I like to plan ahead. I like to know ahead. You know, when they came to the Red Sea, remember what happened? They came to the Red Sea, and God parted the Red Sea for them. But what happened was God said, Moses, raise up your rod. Moses raises the rod, and the waters part. They're in the sand. They're, I'm sorry, we read head into lead out of bondage. An old, how many of y'all know lead out of bondage? I'm probably the only person in, okay. Pastor Darren knows that song. The path was there for them to step into. When they come to Jordan, that's not how God operates. There are instances in your life when God will call you to take the next step and he will show the way and you'll say, God, boy, it's a challenge. I'm going to step down between these walls of water. But, you know, it's pretty easy when the Egyptian army is bearing down on you. Sometimes God puts us in situations where it's really, it's a challenge to take the step, but it's not hard to do because we really have no other option. But when they come to the Jordan, they've got other options. They can stay where they are. And when they come to the River Jordan, God doesn't part the Jordan. God says, I want you to have the ark on your shoulders, and the priests are going to step into the Jordan. Now here's the priest. Apparently the river is flooded and full at that time, and they're getting ready to step into what looks like a raging river, a running, rushing river, and the water is still there all the way until their foot hits the water. The Bible says that when the sole of the foot of the priest hit the water, then the water's parted. There are times God gives us Red Sea moments for our next step, but your next step and my next step may be one of those Jordan moments where we have to take the step in faith, and then God shows us the pathway and the way that we're going to do it. And that next step that they take, the Christian life is a part of this journey as we move forward. And we were not intended, intended to settle. The children of Israel, God's plan was not for them to stay in the wilderness. God's plan was not for them to stay on the east side of Jordan. God's ultimate purpose and plan of bringing them out of Egypt decades before was for them to reach Canaan. And they weren't going to reach Canaan until he says, Arise, 
and go over this Jordan. What is your, what is your next step? There may be somebody here this morning or someone that's watching, but your next step is trusting Christ as your Savior. You have felt the pull of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You've heard the gospel. Someone has shared the gospel with you. And you have felt the pull of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know exactly what it is, but you know there is something that you need, and it is God drawing you to a place of faith in Christ and repentance. The next step to begin the journey of faith is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. So there may be someone, maybe here this morning or maybe watching, who need to take that step. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. It's time today to take that next step. Some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And your next step is something that was mentioned in the announcements, that your next step is getting baptized. Well, preacher, I was all, I've already been baptized. Let me tell you that baptism is a visible manifestation of what takes place in your life when you trust Christ as your Savior. So if baptism took place, as I've talked with many people, I have found that many times people were baptized as a child, trusted Jesus Christ later as their Savior. Let me tell you that all that happened that first time was you got wet. There was nothing spiritual that took place. It didn't symbolize anything because there was no faith. If you were baptized before you trusted Christ as your Savior, then you went through a ritual. But the Bible teaches what we call believer's baptism. That baptism is to manifest what's taking place in your heart. And there are many people who have trusted Christ as their Savior, and then following that, they need to be baptized. There are some people I've known, I don't know if there's anyone that this falls into this case, talk about fear. I, I remember baptizing a man that was scared to death of being in the water. Scared to death of being in the water. There's no shame in that. He went through a traumatic experience as a child and never learned to swim. And so the idea of going down into the water and being held under the water was traumatic. He was a large guy, and I will be honest, it was traumatic for me to think about holding him under the water. I wanted to make sure I got him back up. But that's the next step. That's the next step of obedience, that I want to grow in my Christian faith, and I'm ready to walk. I want to identify to the world. I want to identify with the body of Christ. I want this world to know that I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. For some people, the next step is an is a act of service, a place, to a role to serve in. It might be in Sunday school, or it might be singing in the choir, or it might be uh, serving in, in one of our core or care ministries, or in the other areas of ministry, serving in the nursery, or serving in the children or the students, finding a place to serve, and you think, well, I don't know if I, I can make that commitment. It's time to take that step. It's time to let go of those things of fear that says, I can't do this. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me tell you, you'll be right in the middle of a bunch of other people that don't all know what we're doing. But we serve a God who takes a crooked stick and can draw straight lines. We take a God who can, we serve a God who can take those and what he could do perfectly on his own, he does imperfectly through us. And if you're waiting to be good at something to start serving, then you're going to wait a long time. God uses those who are willing to be used to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Now, he uses us where sometimes we're gifted and we have abilities and he's able to use us. But don't wait to take that next step. There may be somebody 
that it's a little more specific than just general service. Your next step may be surrendering to God's call to ministry. Let me tell you that I was, I was called to preach and serve and minister at a young age. But it wasn't without its struggle. My dad, of course, was an evangelist and pastor. He was a preacher. My brother had already surrendered to call. He knew when he was in kindergarten, he had gathered all the kids around and preached a sermon to them um, on long hair and wicked women. And I don't know what he was preaching in kindergarten, but he was preaching to them in kindergarten. Maybe they were smoking crayons or something. I don't know what they were doing, but he preached. He knew. I had to avoid the, the pressure in my heart and mind of, well, what if people say you're just doing that because everybody else in your family is a preacher? I was not called because my dad was a preacher. I'm not called because my great uncle was a pastor. I'm not called because my grandfather was a pastor. I'm not called because my brother was a pastor. You see a, a, a theme developing here? Several years ago, we were in one of our old home churches, and some of the family was gathered, and one of my cousin's um, kids was about five years old at the time, and they were telling him, this person's a preacher. This per he said, we've got six preachers in our family. Like, yeah, we do. But I'm not called because preachers run in the family. So the, the idea of, of being, look, surrendering to that call, that's a, that's a big next step. But God still calls those to serve in ministry, whether it's preaching or whether it's teaching or whether it's missions. God is calling us to serve Him, and He is still calling specific servants to serve God. The next step may be just simply an act of faith. God's called you to do something, and you know in your heart what He's asked you to do and what He's called you to do. And you know, and you just cannot, you just cannot take that step. Take that next step. I can't do it. I, can, I just imagine being the priest on the front of that ark. <laughs> you, you walk down to the river. Joshua, are you sure? There's no indication that they faltered. But in my mind, it had to be running through this guy's mind. What if I'm... What if of all these priests carrying this ark and all the people of every, everybody's watching me. All eyes are on me. What if I slip in the mud? What if I slip and fall and everybody tumbles down into and the ark falls down in the river and gets washed down? I mean, these are the things that would be going through your mind. And what does that, those priests do? As they get to the river, they take that step. And when they take the next step, when they obey that command, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, they take that step of faith and God leads them into the promised land. And think of all the blessings that came to the nation because of that. Let me just say one day there will be one final next step. One day when we reach the end of our journey, we will take our next step. We will take that step into heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day in a lot of ways. The longer life goes on, the more I'm ready to be with my Savior. I'm ready to be with brothers and sisters and family and friends that have gone on. I used to hear preachers stand in the pulpit and they would say, um, you know, I know more people on the other side now than I do here now. So many of my friends have gone on before. And I haven't reached that point yet. <laughs> but I do know a lot of people on the other side. And I'm looking forward to that day. 
I'm still taking the journey one step at a time until I get there. But one of these days, that last step will be taken. I thought about the old hymn, Each step I take, I know that he will guide me to higher ground he ever leads me on. Aren't you, aren't you wanting to move to that higher ground, that next step for what God has for you? Until someday, the last step will be taken. Each step I take just leads me closer home. What is your next step? What is the next step in your journey of faith? Are you willing to take it? Don't let anything hold you back. But now, therefore, let's arise and let's go over Jordan. Let's take our next step. Will you bow with me for prayer this morning, please? This morning, whether it's here in the auditorium or whether it's those that are watching, are you willing to take that next step, that next step of salvation? Maybe it's the next step of baptism. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to be having a baptism. And maybe, maybe you're nervous about the idea. Maybe you're unsure about the idea. We'd love to talk with you about it. We'd love to talk with you about your salvation. We'd love to talk with you about following the Lord in baptism. But be willing to take that next step. Let me tell you what happens. When you trust God to take the next step, he gives you the confidence to take the next one and the next one and the next one. And each step you take, I know that he will guide you. Maybe this morning God has placed in your heart. Maybe the step is a step across the street to meet a neighbor to be a blessing to them or to share the gospel with them. Maybe there's a young person or even an adult that God is calling you to serve him in full-time ministry, to give your life. Some may be adults to walk away from an occupation that you have to say, God, I will serve you. I will preach the gospel. I will go to serve. or I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord. Here am I. Send me. That next step. What's holding you back? Don't let anything hold you back. Maybe that next step is an act of faith to give or to go or to do. And you've been held back. You've just been standing there. God wants you to move forward. He wants you to press on to higher 